but ready for God. Thank you, Laura, and praise team. I am so blessed. We're in a series of messages from the Ten Commandments. Today we get to a very personal one and a difficult one. Never in the history of the world has culture and its values changed so rapidly as they have in the nation that you and I call home. All in the last less than 60 years, we have experienced that. In the 40s and early 50s, 5% of School, high school females were sexually active, and about 10% of, or 8% of females were sexually active. Today, it's a difference, much different. 70% females are active sexually and 80% males. Today, 75% of men and women, 35 and under, cohabitate prior to marriage. Divorce rates have finally settled down, it seems like, to about 50%. And what I want you to understand this morning is that it's not outside there It's inside here in our churches. Same statistical numbers. 1987, 49 million people viewed porn. 1992, 75 million. In 1996, 665 million. And since that time... There's no figures because there are so many outlets for pornography that they cannot all be assessed numerically. They estimate that about 65% of men in this nation visit porn sites regularly. Please understand this, how I'm saying it. It almost seems like The Spirit of God that lives in the children of God has very little effect on how we live. Goodness. It's estimated, and this is only an estimate that I found this last week, that 19 million Americans practice same-sex in their sexual behavior. In the slurry of standards of right and wrong and rapid moral decline, most of this generation that we're living in lives in an atmosphere alien of the Ten Commandments. They just don't know them. doesn't bother them. The Seventh Commandment 
addresses adultery. Let me say here that any sex outside of God's standards is a sin of rebellion against God. Rooted in spiritual idolatry. You remember the first commandment we started some weeks ago? You shall have no other God before me. That's what his word says. When my mind and my will and my emotions are opposed to God's standard, this is spiritual rebellion. And sexual sin, all sin outside of God's parameters, desires no holiness at all. We don't want to be like God. I'm worshiping me now. I'm worshiping me. Ephesians 5.13 says, But sexual immorality and all impurity of covetousness must not even be named among you as is, as is proper among saints. And then 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 10.8, we must not indulge in sexual immorality. I really don't know how to make it any plainer than God made it. That's what he tells us. The root word for immorality in the Greek is a word you'll recognize the moment I say it. And you know what it all is inclusive of. It's the word pornea. You can go from there to a thousand different directions. And it covers all of that, that word does. We don't see it always in our Bible, but it covers it all. It covers adultery, homosexuality, fornication, fantasizing, stimulation, arousal, porn, and on the list goes. When God talks about His sexual standard... And then he talks about the pain when it is broken. It happens statistically inside our churches just like it does outside our churches. We're no different from the culture around us. Doesn't that break your heart? When God presents his commands as negatives... I want you to understand they have a positive purpose. And it is to protect us. To keep us from pain. He's trying to keep us not from sex, but for sex. A gift that He gives to those inside His parameters in marriage. Some of you may be saying, Kent... I wish I wasn't even here right now. And I want you to understand that if you have confessed and forsaken your sin, I do not want it to cause pain or difficult memories. I want you to know that God forgives. And He will restore you. And He will restore us because He does that. Don't let Satan continue to condemn you with what you have already asked forgiveness for and you have turned your back upon. Don't you let him do that.
We said it the last two or three Sundays. I'll say it today. God's concerned about where you're headed more so than where you've been. You remember that. Some may say, and I've had them too, this, the church is no place for this. I want to tell you, friend, I think because the church has been slack, we're where we are. I want you to understand that and know that. And then I want to tell you that I will, through God's Word, probably hurt some feelings today. I preached this message before in a church one time where there were some men and women would not speak to me the rest of my time at that church. And it all come back to that. I hope you'll have your Bibles with you. You will turn them to Exodus, 20th chapter, the 14th verse. We're going to look at this seventh commandment. And I know it may be hard, but I'm going to ask you to try to stand if you can. And this will give some of you a chance to turn your chair around where you can see me. It'll be all right for you to put you back to the people behind you. I just want you to be comfortable. You follow along as I read aloud from this passage of Scripture. Just a very few short words. In Exodus, the 20th chapter, the 14th verse, God says, you shall not commit adultery. I don't think there's any plainer way that he could have said that than when he says it that way. Hebrews 13.4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Nothing, listen carefully, in my estimation and my experience as a pastor, nothing destroys individuals and families any faster than adultery. I've just seen too much of it. Too much of it. 25 to 30% of men and women that are married have an extra or have had an extra marital affair. There's no... Statistical difference between the outside and the inside in our church. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come to this seventh commandment, we have to in all truthfully confess that our nation has worshipped at the throne of self. We've wanted to satisfy Ourself, even at expense against you. And Father, the results have been broken people in utter disregard for your word, for your commandments to us. And Father, to me, the tragedy is that it's not outside these walls, it's in these walls. And I pray, Father, for us, What we have forbidden, or what you have forbidden, we have just taken on as a lifestyle, it seems like. And so, Father, I pray this morning that your word will be convicting us. It'll bring us to repentance. 
And I pray, Father, that the brokenness that comes from that will be followed by your grace and your mercy as we cry out to you for forgiveness. And Father, I pray that you would protect my church, Crossroads, and this community that we live in and the communities that we do live in from false teachers who would alter your word by mixing with error humanistic worldly philosophies. Oh, Father, your command is still your command. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. I am thankful for the young people that are gathered here this morning. And I pray God will speak to them as well as to those of us who are older than they are. I want to begin first just quickly talking about what causes affairs. Proverbs 16, or Proverbs 6 verse 32 says, He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. Anyone who would destroy themselves lack sense. I'm not going to spend a long time on what causes it, but I just have listed some things there, four of them. Unmet needs, unresolved conflict, unfulfilled expectations, undeveloped self-worth. I want to move on to the prevention And I pray you'll take copious notes and you'll listen carefully. I want to give you steps to help prevent adultery, to preserve your present marriage or your future marriage. Number one, how do I preserve my marriage in a world like I live in? First of all, make a commitment to God's standards. You start with a commitment to God's standards. Regardless of past failures, begin today. God, I am committing to your standards. I have been convicted and I pray, God, that your standards will become the standards that I will live by. I want to maintain your standards, Father. What does he say about sex? What he says about sex is what I want to be my standard. God says sex is a gift that He gives to man and a woman inside the framework of marriage, marriage to each other, and that only. Not what the culture teaches us, but what His Word teaches us. Psalms 119 verse 9, How can young men keep their way pure? How in all of this? Here's the only way. By guarding it according to your Word. By living what your word tells us to live. How it tells us to live. Not by what the culture is telling us. By living according to the word. That's very clear. Adultery is never an option. I think of Joseph in the Old Testament. We talked about that this last Wednesday night in our men's study. But Joseph in the Old Testament was being seduced by Potiphar's wife. He had every reason in the world to give in to this. Every reason. 
He was young. He was single. He was virile. He was away from home. It was acceptable, very acceptable where he was. He was being seduced by this woman. He had been abused. He has, his mother was dead. His father was separated from him. His brothers hated him. He was now a slave. He could have said, why not? Nothing else is going right in my life. Oh, praise God. He said, I will not sin against my God. I will not sin against my God. We don't have an excuse. Proverbs 5 verse 15 says, Drink. From your own cistern. Be faithful to your own spouse. Give your love to him or her and to no one else. No one else at all. If you want to protect your marriage, publicly affirm your stand for God. I have told Alice I will not be unfaithful to you. I tell her that again in front of you. Tell people, make it known. That guy says he'll not be unfaithful. She says she will not be unfaithful to her husband. Tell them. Let me give you a second way. If I am going to protect my marriage that I want you to see. I must magnify the consequences of what's going to happen if I step across the line. Magnify that. Remind yourself of the devastation and destruction caused by sexual sin. Proverbs, we read a while ago, 6.32 says, He who does it destroys himself. As I said, nothing damages our emotions and our family any more than sexual sin. Nothing. It leaves permanent scars that are difficult to overcome. Adultery will cost a man all he has. God's word tells us that. Cost him all he has. Always it's that way. God says this command is for your sake, Kent. For your sake, whatever your name is. It's for your sake. For your benefit. 56 years ago, when my wife and I married... By God's grace, we've been able to keep this command. We're not boasting in ourselves. We're boasting in our God. But I want to tell you that you can do it. Let me give you the reasons that I intend to be faithful to my wife. You can take them for your reasons if you want to. But here they are. First of all, I love Jesus Christ too much to do that. I just can't do it. I owe him my life, folks. (laughs) I owe him my life now and through all eternity. Let me give you the the second reason I'm going to be faithful to my wife. I love Alice and I love my children. I'm just going to tell you that. The thought of what this would do to my sons and my grandsons and my granddaughters and my wife is beyond my ability to go there mentally. I just don't want to go. And let me give you the third reason that I'm going to be faithful to my wife. I fear the judgment of God. I fear the judgment of God. 
Hebrews 13, 4, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. It's his law, and that's what he says. We don't get away with our sin. When we decide to have sex outside of God's standards and parameters, it's like going into a beautiful cathedral with beautiful stained glass windows and taking a sledgehammer and knocking all of them out. All the beauty's gone. Oh my goodness. God is holy. And when we abuse this gift that He's given us, we cut ourselves off from God. That's what happens. As believers, we're supposed to be the beautiful, chaste bride of Christ. Have you ever thought about that? Sexual sin is the sin of rebellion, rooted in spiritual idolatry. The Bible says that when we rebel against God, it's very serious. And not only is it very serious, I'm expressing my desire. I don't want to be holy. Leave me alone, God. Let me give you the third thing. If I'm going to preserve my marriage, I must maintain my marriage. Listen, husband and wives. For those of you who will be husbands and wives, listen carefully. Cultivate a growing relationship with your spouse. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 3, the husband must fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. Goodness, what needs does my spouse have? Does your spouse have? I've listed on the outline there the five top needs of most men and the five top needs of most women. This comes from Dr. Willard Harley in his book, Her Needs, His Needs, Her Needs. And you've read, you can read through those and see those, but let me ask you something. As you read through those, do you see any similarity? Not one bit. If you do see some similarity, you need my glasses probably. Not one bit. Not one bit. Not at all. That's the reason that when you get married, you have to work at it. We are so different. Oh my goodness, we're so different in our, in, in our lives and different in our needs in our marriage. We have a, a difficulty coming to the place where we begin to adjust and to make compromises in what we think we need. When I got married... I thought I married somebody just like me. So did you. And I found out we were different. We are different. And so you spend time, put energy into your marriage so that this will not happen to you. I had no idea what my wife was like. And I can say that same for you if you're married. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Do not deprive one another except perhaps, perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer and then come together again. Now listen carefully. So that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. 
Even in serving God, I am to remember there are needs that my spouse has, that your spouse has, that only we can meet in God's standard in all of this. We're not to deny even the physical part of our relationship. When you stood before a pastor or a judge or whatever, when you got married some time ago, you really were committing to some things, whether you realized it or not. You were committing yourself to an exclusive relationship with your spouse and to nobody else. You said to your spouse, for your needs or for my needs, you will be the one that provides them and no one else. That's what you were saying. I'm in an exclusive relationship with you. Maybe you need to recommit to that vow. Every so often, we probably should. Let me tell you something. You need to make your spouse your best friend. My spouse is my best friend. Now, I want to tell you, it didn't happen in the first six months of our marriage. It's happened over a period of time. But let me tell you why your spouse ought to be your best friend. You'll walk away from a marriage quicker than you'll walk away from your best friend. So make your spouse your best friend. You're not going to walk away from that or from her or from him. And it takes a while to become best friends. You have to work at it. Let me give you the fourth thing that if I am to preserve my marriage that I need to do. I need to manage my mind. People don't just fall into immorality all of a sudden. Affairs develop over time. And there's a process, a series of events as to how affairs happen. It's been studied again and again. Immorality develops. It develops. It sets about to grow. Let me give you some things here. The first one is accepting sinful thoughts in my mind. That's where the battle begins. That's where any temptation begins in my mind and my emotions. What I think about, I will eventually feel. And what I feel, I will eventually act on. And so will you. That's just how we're wired. James in James 1, 14 and 15 says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. I can't blame it on anybody else. Then desire, when it is conceived, brings birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. All begins in the mind. We don't get serious about our minds. We think we can handle anything that floats across it and it won't bother us. But oh, my friend, that's not true. You become and I become like what we think about Most of us have a garbage disposal in our kitchen and a garbage dispenser in our TV room and before our screen or anything that we get outside information through. 2 Timothy 2 verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Romans 16, 19, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. I can tell you, most of us have more wisdom to what is evil than we do to what is good. That's the world we live in. 
just the opposite. When we get serious about our minds and control our thoughts, then the battle will not be as fierce and it can be stopped. If we don't, it leads to the next step. And this is what happens in affairs. The second one is emotional, non-physical involvement. To assume all is well because a man and woman has, had not, has not had physical contact yet is a mistake. Oh my goodness. Looking to someone other than your spouse to meet your needs, those deep needs of comfort and understanding and support is fatal. It's fatal. You need to understand that. Most people don't, don't spend very long at this second point. They go right to the next point, the third point, which is physical involvement. And let me tell you, once that parameter is stepped across, it is a sin that is horrendous to shake off. Take my word for it. Having dealt with so many people, you need to understand that once you cross that parameter, oh, all hell comes through. Don't cross it. But here's the fourth thing that happens when we get to that point. We're experts at deceiving ourselves. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Sin is not less wicked because everybody's doing it. It doesn't change God's mind one bit or His commandments one bit. The solution is the prevention of sin. That's what's needed. Not an attitude that's lax about it because everybody else is doing it. Let me give you a fifth thing if I'm going to preserve my marriage. I must maintain proper relationships with the opposite sex, primarily. Studies show that most affairs occur between people who are close personal friends or are family friends, and we're to maintain proper relationships in those areas. Don't listen to the marital problems of somebody that's not your spouse, of the opposite sex. Don't you listen to it. Don't fish for compliments from the opposite sex. Watch what you say and how you say it especially to the person, the opposite sex. Men, you think about this. Pull back, saying, don't do that. Beware of romantic feelings for someone other than yourself. I want to tell you something, friend. You need to know, whether you're a male or female, you need to know what your besetting sin is. That's the one that just keeps sticking to you like Velcro. You need to identify it, You need to write it on a piece of paper where nobody sees it but you and you need to look at it all the time because that's exactly the soft spot that Satan's going to go after. You just remember that. Beware of these romantic feelings for someone other than your spouse. We call that electricity or chemistry. That's your emotions. Pull back at that time. Next bullet down there, avoid prolonged stares. It's a dead giveaway. A dead giveaway. It's all right for singles. 
That's their way of advertising, I'm available. But that's not all right for those who are married. Avoid lingering touch. It's a dead giveaway. person hugs you too long or puts hands on places of you that are uncomfortable, you need to know that's not right. We're hearing about that all the time in the news now, aren't we? It's out there. Ephesians 5.3, But sexual immorality and all impurity of covetousness must not even be named among you. Boy. Takes more than good intentions. Number six, to preserve my marriage, I must minimize the opportunities. I'm no country boy. I can understand that. The way I'd say that is, if you don't want to get stung, stay away from the bees, okay? Pretty simple, isn't it? That's the way I operate. Simple. That's the way you do it. Don't place yourself in a, simple, in a situation where you know it's going to be difficult to say no or to be tempted. Recognize the circumstances. Don't wade into them thinking I'm powerful enough to handle this. 1 Corinthians 20, uh, 10 verse 12 says, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest, than he, lest he fall. I don't see your name as an exception or my name as an exception. It says anyone. That includes all of us. Learn the early warning signs of temptation in your life so you can bail out quickly. Some of you are sitting through this message and you say, this will never happen to me. I want to ask you, who do you think you're kidding? Who do you think you're kidding? No one is immune to temptation. Christ was not immune to temptation. You think you're better than he is? Stronger than he was? No. When the situation's just right, I'm capable of anything. Put guards around your life and around your heart. Let me say to those of you who this may fit you, business travel is a danger. So many times that's been the beginning in cases that I'm familiar with. Business travel, the longer you are away from home, the, most di- the more difficult it is. The easier it is to get in trouble. Set standards that minimize the opportunities. Choose your close friends closely. Choose those who are deeply committed to preserving their marriage. Establish guidelines. Malachi 2.15 So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. Guard yourself, he says. Businesses where men and women work together are dangerous. We have to guard ourselves. They're ripe. Everybody looks good at work, don't they? They smell good. All their hair's in the right place and all those things. But I want you to know, you're not around them when they have morning breath. You're not around them when all their hairs are headed in a hundred different directions. When they've got diarrhea. You're not there. 
I want you to tell you, friend, you need to let these things speak to you so that you won't go there. Goodness. And I have to tragically tell you that it has happened in church offices. Oh, my goodness. God's Word says an elder must be blameless. I want to tell you, I hope I never, I pray I never, and hope you'll pray for me, that I'll never get where I cannot preach the whole counsel of God because I'm disobeying some of it. Well, I know you've had about all this you can stomach. Let me give you some life application. The pathway back to purity. I want you to know God's forgiveness. And I want you to know His mercy and His power to restore. I want you to know that. I want you to have hope. I want you to come to Jesus Christ for a cleansing if you have never done that. Adultery is not the unpardonable sin. I want you to know that. It's not. And it doesn't have to kill your marriage. I can take you to some of the strongest marriages in this area. But I know who have lived past adultery and God has given cleansing. What are the steps to being restored to taking back what Satan has already taken? Number one, acknowledge my sin. Psalms 51 verse 4, against you and you only have I sinned and have done what is evil in your sight, God says. Now let me just make sure you understand. Premarital sex, living together without marriage, extramarital affairs, fornication, homosexual, bisexual, lesbianism, pornography, pedophilia, polyamorphous, all of those are included in this commandment. All of them. This morning, I want you to understand, you're in a church full of sinners that God has forgiven And I stand up here as a prime example. Do you understand that? We've all sinned against our God. There's no perfect people in this church. It's a great place to be. No perfect people. This is a place to find forgiveness and healing. And that God wants to give you a new life. If you're involved in some of that right now, you stop this relationship immediately. Let me tell you something. Most of the time that I have preached a message like this, or even this message sometimes in the past, boy, nobody wants to do anything if there's an invitation. Boy, you ain't going to blow me out of this chair. 
But listen, I remember one time when a man came running, weeping down that aisle. No, we didn't tell anybody what all was going on. He didn't tell everybody what was going on. But I want to tell you, it was cleansing. Once you stand before God's people and say, oh God, forgive me. I want to tell you, there's something in that that's a guard in your heart. Do you understand? Let me share something else. Do what's necessary to avoid contact with the other person. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Whatever it takes, you do that. Let me say, you can never be friends again with a person you've had an affair with. You can't do that. It's impossible. You quit cold turkey. Sex is God's wonderful gift to marriage. But it's the most destructive thing that can happen outside of God's standard. The shame, the guilt, the misery, the depression will not ever be removed without God's mercy and His grace. But He will remove that. Ask God to control your life this morning. Then I want to give you some bad news. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral or idolaters or adulterers nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I didn't write it. That's His Word. That's the bad news. But I can't just leave you with bad news. I want to give you the good news. Verse 11 says, And such were some of you, Kent Workman. Such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of your God. Oh, amen. Can it get any better than that? That's what he says. Let me say to you, if you're struggling in your marriage, I want you to know it will cost way far more to go outside your marriage and break God's will for your life than it will cost you to stay and try to put that marriage back together. You stay at it. I ask you to bow your heads right now. I know it's hard to stand, so I'm going to let you sit. by the statistics in our nation there's probably some people that God has spoken personally to this morning and I want to ask you right there with your heads bowed and nobody seeing your mind nobody there but you would you just ask God to forgive you Would you make a commandment and a covenant to God right now 
that you will stop that, whatever that sin is, and you cry out to him for his grace and his mercy and his strength. And you ask God to shield you from that so that never, never again will you step outside his will. Only you and God now doing business. Father, I pray for all of us that the chains of sin that want to bind themselves so tight against our life and against our spirit will be broken so that we may have the freedom, we may have the cleansing and that we may have the restoration of a right relationship with you this morning in this place. God, I pray that you would help us to know that you have forgiven us because we have fully committed to turn our back on sin. Father, may that happen in this room. I pray this in Christ's name. Now, in just a moment, we're going to receive our offering. But I want to share something with you before we receive our offering that I read not too long ago. A couple decided to make some changes in their life. And the man lost 50 pounds. And the wife decided that she was going to get a job. And she started work in a restaurant. On the first day when she had gone away and she came back that afternoon, having worked that day in the restaurant, her husband came up to her and he just grabbed her and hugged her. And she thought to herself uh, that he was hugging her an unusually long time, more than he usually does. And she said to him, said, did you really miss me this much? And he said, no. He said, you smell like pancakes. And I just can't let you go. Well, we laugh at that, but let me ask you, how's your experience level with God? Do you love Him for what He is or what you wish He would do? Do you sort of give saying, God, now I've given this, you do this? Or do you say, God, I love you so much, you do what you want to with this. You take what is yours. It's all yours. As we receive our offering... Men, you can start coming, and I know it'll be hard to get down all these tables and things. In a moment, we're going to be dismissed with prayer, and we're going to have a prayer for our lunch, for our meal. Now, if you're a first-time guest, you only put that card in that basket as it comes your way. Now, if you're our first-time guest, I can tell you, if you're hesitant to stay with us and eat with us, you evidently don't know Baptist. (laughs) I mean, there'll be more food than you can haul away with a truck. And everybody wants to say, well, I didn't bring anything. Well, I want to tell you, him and him and her and her brought enough for all of us. So there won't be any lack of food. But we want you to stay, and we're not going to pick on you, but we just want to feed you today. There's probably not very many churches going to be feeding people today in this area. So you just happen to be at the right one. And I am so thankful for that. So, after we have our closing announcements and prayer, 
Uh, somebody, we have some, a couple of announcements going to made, be made, and then all of that after that will be a prayer. And uh, Laura, you want to come on up? You can come up first, and then uh, Lance is somewhere in this place. Oh, he's standing back there. He'll come up when she gets through. But uh, they'll tell you what to do and how to get the food and all that stuff. Somebody will. We usually don't have trouble finding food. I'll turn it on for you. Okay, so um, the search team just wanted to give you all an, an update. We're trying to do that uh, periodically so you guys know where we are in the process and can be praying. Um, we ended up receiving 62 resumes altogether. Um, we have gone through all of those. We, are, um, we have just sent out questionnaires, um, pretty detailed questionnaires, um, to 11 of them. So asking for more information um, to come back that will help us to narrow down um, this, this group of um, applicants. Um, so we're in a very crucial time right now as far as um, praying and just uh, really um, digging into the Word and just, uh, just for what God has for our church. So we want you all to be in prayer. Um, we're in this time of waiting on um, questionnaires. We... Um, are not we don't really have anything to meet about anything to discuss on Thursday, and so we are going to um, meet here on um, Thursday night at six o'clock for prayer. And we just ask any we invite anybody that wants to join us um, to meet with us Thursday night at six o'clock, and um, we'll just spend some time in prayer over our church and and pray for the man um, that God has for us. So as you're praying. Um, you can number 1 through 11. Um, in my mind, I can do the very same thing. We don't have them numbered. They're going to be numbered as those, those questionnaires come in. So God knows who they are. And we also ask, too, that you pray for maybe a 12th guy. Lance said that this morning. You know, pray for a 12th guy because there might be somebody that we don't know about yet that God has for us. Um, and so it's not about our timeline or what we want, but we, um, we are fully open to what God has. So uh, please join us on Thursday night um, in prayer over that. Okay, thank you. Uh, please don't forget about the church directory. Uh, I think Marsha was trying to make her way around today and, and get uh, the papers to that... We need the information to put in the directory to each family and to get a picture made. Today's a good opportunity to do that. Uh, just make sure you wipe the, your face off before we get in the picture. But anyway, it, uh, if you have opportunity to do that, uh, try to get that done today. This is going to be a, uh, this will be very informative for all of us and help us just to kind of know, put faces with names if you don't already know that. Um, Soul Sisters still taking names. Uh, it is full, but if you, if uh there's opportunity maybe possibly for uh, if some may cancel or something may come up. If you have uh, interest in that still, uh, don't uh, fail to sign up for that. Um, when you come in, a lot of times there's a, uh, there are always these envelopes in the back as you, when you give your offering. Some of you may use them, some may not. You don't have to for sure. But on there, if you, there's two blanks at the bottom, budget offering, and it says other. If you, many times we're taking up money for Peru or on some other uh, 
uh, need that we've uh, found, and that uh, will be, uh, sometimes will be taken up in the regular offering. We mentioned last week we have uh, our building debt now is down to uh, right at $100,000, possibly just a little bit under. Uh, if you uh, pray about it and feel that uh, God would lead you in doing so, along with your normal, tithe, uh, normal uh, tithes and offerings, if you feel like you could budget in your budget some uh, to pay uh, directly toward this building debt, Others a good place to put it, okay? And you can put that right in the same envelope and pass that along. This note on your check that it is for, uh, uh, for the building debt, and uh, that will get put into the right place, okay? And we'll try to keep you guys informed of how, with the progress that's being made on that um, uh, periodically uh, throughout time, so you'll just kind of be able to keep up with it, all right? Um, is there anything else that needs to be made mention of at this time? Be sure and pick up a bulletin. There's a few more things in there. Gary. Okay, March the 29th, work, some work going on here at the church, Do you, and there's lots of things always be done, and they'll, uh, you'll just come and be available. Uh, if you have any questions about that or something you can bring, let, uh, ask Gary, and he'll be able to fill you in probably a little closer to time. All right, I tell you, before we uh, eat, we sure want to uh, ask the Lord to, to bless the food as we uh, partake of it and help the nurse of our bodies, so let's, uh, let's bow in prayer and, and thank the Lord for the food. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you uh, for this this wonderful day that we've had here in, in your house, and Lord, for the message that's been brought, Lord, for the, um, Lord, we just pray that you'll just uh, work in each of our lives and keep our thoughts and our minds pure, and um, Lord, we just thank you for this food that you have uh, uh, provided for us today, and those who have helped prepare it, Lord, we pray that you'll bless them, but bless this food and help nurse our bodies, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>